morning, everyone. Uh, thank you very much, Paul. As we, uh, as we come to the end of our series, uh, an end of the, the letter of Ephesians, I want to ask you a question. Uh, do you find it challenging and maybe even a struggle at times to live an authentic Christian life? Yes, some of you have said yes. To live this kind of life worthy of our calling as we have been talking about and describing for weeks now. Since, since the 11th of June and since we started the kind of second half of this letter from the first verse of chapter 4, we have discovered that to live this life, we have got to be completely humble and patient. We've got to bear with one another in love. We've got to maintain unity. We've got to put off telling lies. We've got to always speak the truth. We mustn't tear others down. We should always build others up. We've got to be compassionate. We've got to be forgiving. We've got to follow God's example. We can't be sexually immoral or impure or greedy. We must not grieve the Holy Spirit. We've got to submit to one another. We've got to obey our parents. We can't provoke our kids to anger. So, do you find it a challenge to live like this? Let me last ask you another question, and, and it's related to the first, although this may sound a bit melodramatic. Do you believe there are powerful Spiritual beings at work who are actively attempting to derail you in your Christian life. Who are actively attempting to cause you to question your identity in Jesus. Do you believe that? Well, as we reach the conclusion of this letter in this series... I believe Paul makes it really clear that it is going to be tough to be a Christian. That it is going to be a challenge. That it is going to be more difficult than we have ever realized. And, he, and as he says this, he kind of pulls back the curtain and he gives us a glimpse and an insight into the struggle that every single child of God is involved in. But he doesn't just tell us, listen, it's going to be tough to life, live like this. I know I've been speaking about how you should live in a life worthy of the, the gospel. Right from the beginning of chapter 4, and now I've reached the end of chapter 6. I've been telling you how you've got to live. And yes, it is going to be tough. But he doesn't just leave it at that. He then recommends more items to wear in order to survive. And in order to ensure that we're kind of properly and appropriately dressed for the nitty-gritty of everyday Christian life. And so what I invite you to do is please stand with me this morning, which probably seems even more relevant than usual, for the public reading of God's Word as we listen to what Paul tells us about this struggle that we're all in. Let's stand together. Finally, says Paul. So here is Paul bringing this section of teaching of moral exhortation that started back at the start of chapter. Here he is bringing it to a conclusion. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. And pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Grab us, grab a seat. Paul is under no illusion He knows that living this life that he's been talking about and describing is going to be tough. And he knows that if we're going to survive, if we're going to live this life worthy of our calling, then we're going to need to be strong. We're going to need to be strong, but not just strong in our own strength. So Paul's not just saying here, come on, church, let's make more effort. Paul says, listen, you need to be strong in the Lord And in his mighty strength, we need to be plugged into the divine power source. We need a dynamic relationship of dependence on the one who is genuinely powerful. On the one who is, to quote an earlier phrase from this letter, the one who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. You see, left to our own devices, every single one of us in this church who follows Jesus' beat. Attempt to live this life on your own and you're going to become another casualty. And there are plenty of them around. And so we need to be strong in the Lord. How do we do that? We be strong in the Lord by putting something on. This idea of getting dressed and wearing certain things is not new to anyone who has been following this series. Paul has been using this imagery, this figure of speech, countless times in his letter, right since the start of chapter 4, to explain what it means to take off the old self and to put on the new. It's like getting dressed and undressed. We've got to wear particular things. You've got to wear humility. You've got to wear forgiveness. And you've got to take off other things like unwholesome talk and sexual immorality, and etc. And now here, at the end of this stream of teaching, Paul offers another wardrobe, another set of items, an actual outfit that he says, you've got to wear. You've got to put this on if you're going to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty strength. If you're going to survive and live an authentic Christian life, You need to wear the armor of God. 
That all sounds a bit hardcore. But before we take a closer look at it, the reason for wearing it is explicit. It's this, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because Paul says, listen, listen, see the struggle you're in? The struggle's not against flesh and blood. This is against the authorities, against the rulers, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, if you are going to live a life worthy of your calling, you have got to take spiritual warfare seriously. And the question I have for you this morning is, do you? Do you? Do you take spiritual warfare seriously? There is an enemy on the prowl, a supernatural opponent who is hell-bent on derailing us. He strategizes, he schemes. This is an intelligent being we're dealing with. He wants to mess with our lives. He wants to influence our choices. He wants to cloud our thinking. He wants to devour us. He wants to confuse us. And he wants to steal our identity. And he will do that through people. He will do that through temptation. He will do that through trials. He will do that through overt manifestations. And he will do that via designed plots. And unless we recognize that, Unless we see the reason that we struggle. I know I I struggle to live an authentic Christian life, to live a life worthy of my gospel calling. I find it tough. And unless I understand the reason is that I'm in a spiritual battle, that spiritual warfare is happening all around me, unless I get this and admit this, then I'm probably not going to survive. At least I'm not going to be strong. I'm going to just limp through this life as a Christian. Or worse, I'm heading for a fall. I'm not going to stand firm. And surely we've picked up from the reading that this is Paul's desire for the church, these believers in Ephesus that he's been writing to. He's saying, listen, I'm saying this because my goal in saying it is I want you to put on the armor of God in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this battle. I said four times so that you will stand. I need you to stand firm. Because unless you do wear this, and stand firm, then you will give the devil more than a foothold in your life. He will wreak havoc in your Christian life. Now, I know this, this may sound extreme, way over the top. But Paul's parting words at the end of this letter, they are dramatic, they are emotive. This is fighting talk, and I want to suggest that if we ignore these final words, if we minimize them, which is often the tendency, if we downplay them, we will do so at our peril. Finally, says Paul, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You've got to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the enemy's schemes so that you can experience strength, stability, 
and some level of success. So let's look at this six-piece outfit that we've got to wear. Although let me say a couple of comments about putting it on that, that we've made before. That there is a conscious dimension to this. We've got to choose to do this. Which means he can also choose not to do this. There's a conscious dimension to this. And secondly, there is a constant dimension to this. We don't do this on a one-off basis. In the same way that we get dressed and undressed every day, we need to see putting this armor on as a regular practice and discipline. So let's look at the six specific items. Now, in terms of what each piece of armor refers to, I'm not sure you can simply say, well, the belt of truth means this and this alone. I think there are layers of meaning here. But let me try to isolate one or two layers of meaning for each of the, the, the items. So let's begin with the belt of truth. This is about knowing and embracing truth, God's truth, the truth of who he is and the truth of what he has said and what he has declared. And so, for example, as we think about this letter, as we bring this series to a conclusion, this includes the truth of who we are because of Jesus and the amazing grace of God that has been lavished upon us. So this is about the believing the truth of our true ID. I am a saint. I am chosen. I am in Christ Jesus. I am a believer. I am adopted, I am raised with Christ, I'm seated with Christ, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I am God's workmanship, etc., etc. This is true of all of us. But I will guarantee, in fact, I know that some of us struggle to believe it. We struggle to accept the truth of this, and therefore we need to buckle up and put on the belt of truth each day in order to know the truth that sets us free. The enemy, this scheming opponent of ours, wants to steal your identity. Identity theft is nothing new. He wants to steal your identity, and he will subtly ensure that you doubt your true ID. He is the father of lies. And so he will do all he can to get you to question the truth of who God says you are in Christ Jesus and because of the lavish grace that he has poured out on you. So he will say, you are no work of art. You are not forgiven. You are not sealed. You are not secure. You are not chosen. No matter what God has said or what Jesus has done You are not that. As I say, I know there are people here. And no matter how many times we come back to this list, is it 16 things? People constantly say to me, David, I hear it, but I don't actually or always believe it about myself. I struggle with this. The reason we struggle with this is because we're not putting on the armor of God, the belt of truth, who God is and what he has said. Put it on. Immerse yourself in God-breathed scripture. Read it. Engage with it because it is truth and it will enable you to stand firm. But there's another aspect of this belt. 
It is about developing the practice of speaking and living the truth. It's about honesty. It's about integrity. It is about going back to something that Paul has said earlier. It's about taking off falsehood and always speaking the truth. And when we choose to take off falsehood and actually speak the truth in every situation, we stand firm. And when we exaggerate and when we manipulate the truth and when we twist it and when we tell those little white lies, then we start to wobble. We've got to put on the belt of truth. We've got to be people who speak the truth. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. Paul has made it clear in this letter that you are who you are. I am who I am because of Jesus and the grace of God. Our true idea is found in him, in the one who sacrificed, who laid down his life so that I could be right before God, so that I might become the righteousness of God as Paul writes elsewhere. This is our renewed position and standing before God. I am in right relationship because of Jesus. My heart has been changed. My heart has been renewed and transformed. And so I put on the breastplate of righteousness to remind myself of that eternal fact and reality. The enemy will consistently do all he, they can to lie, to condemn, and to create doubt in our hearts and our minds regarding our true ID. And so putting on the armor, this piece of armor on a regular basis reminds us, do you know something? God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough that we are righteous before God because of Jesus. Not because of anything I have done or ever could. Not because I've brought anything to this. But I am righteous because of Jesus. All my righteous acts are like filthy rags. But you know something, because of all that Jesus has done and all that we have remembered around this table this morning, I stand before God righteous. When God looks at me, to quote that old song, when God looks at me, he doesn't see what I used to be. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. And so knowing and celebrating and constantly coming back to that truth protects our hearts like a breastplate. Plus, the righteousness that we have received enables and calls us then to live a righteous life. So whenever you do the right thing as opposed to your own thing or the wrong thing, you are protected from the enemy. Say, for example, whenever you choose to go to bed nursing that anger, you go to sleep unprotected. Whenever you choose to forgive and let go and do the right thing, you put on that breastplate and you protect your heart. And so maybe, for example, this morning, there may be some people and you need to let go of bitterness and anger towards another person because it's causing you to shake, to wobble in your Christian faith. Breastplate of righteousness. I am righteous before God because of Jesus and that enables me to live a righteous life, to do the right thing instead of my own thing and the wrong thing. 
put on the breastplate of righteousness every day. Thirdly, make sure your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The enemy will do all he can to knock you off your feet and therefore your footwear matters. A decent set of shoes, a decent set of boots will keep you grounded and upright, so you've got to stand firm. And what have you got to stand firm on? Well, you've got to stand firm on the gospel, on the good news of Jesus that brings peace, that brings peace with God, that brings peace with others, that brings peace with myself. Don't forget the gospel. Don't dilute the gospel. Don't deny the gospel. And not only have you to stand firm on this gospel, but you need to be prepared to share it, to speak about it, to go and tell people about the peace that is available with God, the peace of God. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news is the idea, the imagery that Paul is drawing on from the Old Testament as he speaks about this particular piece of armor. And tonight, for those who come back, we are going to be thinking along the lines of what does it actually mean for us? What does it actually look like for us to be people who are prepared to share the good news of Jesus from Scripture and the forgiveness of sins with others? Paul says, listen, you need to wear the right shoes. You need to have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Next, the shield of faith. This is about trust. This is about having confidence in God and a willingness to commit ourselves into his hands no matter what. This is about believing in what God has said about our new and our true ID. This is about knowing God's power and knowing God's shelter. When Paul talks about the shield of faith, he refers to its ability to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Those flaming arrows may take the form of doubt and despair. They may take the form of sharp temptation or whatever it is that the enemy throws at us. But the gift of faith, taking God at his word, taking the promises of God and daring to believe him, that will quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so Paul says, listen, you need to trust God. Have a confident faith in who God is and what he said. No matter what. That's hard. But that needs to be in place. And then the fifth item, the, the helmet of salvation. Salvation's a gift. We know that it's a free gift. It is by grace you've been saved, said Paul earlier in this letter. It's a gift of God. It's yours. You have been rescued. God has given it to you. You belong to him. And putting on the helmet of salvation covers the head. It protects the mind. It guards our thinking. And so whenever the, the enemy comes and tries to mess with our heads, and get us to think all wrong, to steal our identity. We remember who we are. And so, for example, we declare out loud, I am a saint. No matter what the enemy is saying, I am a saint. I am adopted. I am chosen. I am a child of God. Put on, I am saved. I am alive. I need to declare that. I need to put on the helmet of salvation to protect my mind. I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Because if the enemy can get me to think wrong, then I will inevitably live wrong. And then the last piece of kit 
is the sword of the Spirit. Not something you so much as put on as you take. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Whenever Jesus was tempted by the evil one, he used Scripture. On all three occasions, and in the end, Satan had to back off and leave. And our need, and we say this time and time again, I don't apologize for saying it again this morning, but our need to be people of the book, people who know Scripture, who meditate on Scripture, who can make use of Scripture, who allow Scripture to shape us, who can apply Scripture to various situations that we encounter and find ourselves in. Our need to be those kind of people is acute. Taking the word of God is vital because it is an effective and powerful offensive weapon in the spiritual battle that every single one of us is involved in. And so there are the six items in the full armor of God, but then Paul injects something else because there's an and. There's an and at the beginning of verse 18. And so what he says now is is closely connected to what he's been saying. And he turns his attention to prayer. And he says in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers or requests. Or as the message puts it, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray long and pray hard. And you see, prayer is right at the heart of spiritual warfare. It is crucial to deploying the full armor of God in the midst of the ongoing raging spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. Prayer is absolutely essential. And so Paul says here, you've got to pray at all times. You've got to pray hard and you've got to play long. We've got to be a praying people. We've got to be a people who persevere in prayer. Prayer is a key ingredient. It's a holy habit. It's a spiritual discipline in the Christian life. And I'm convinced that one of the key ways that we put on the armor of God is by prayer. By being in communication with our Father, we pray it on. And so as the old gospel hymn says, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. And I know some people who as part of their daily devotions pray on the armor of God, the belt, the breastplate, the shield, the boots, the helmet, the sword. They consciously ask God on a regular basis to kit them up for the day that lies ahead. And whatever you think of that, here's the question I want to ask you this morning as I bring this to a conclusion. When did you last consciously put on the armor of God? When did you last consciously put on the armor of God? And we are to pray in the Spirit. We're to pray in the Spirit, which amongst other things means that we must seek the Holy Spirit's guidance, his direction, and his help in prayer. Prayer, as I say, is at the heart of spiritual warfare. And unless we are a praying people, we risk walking around unprotected, vulnerable, and dangerously exposed to the devil's schemes. So the other question I want to ask you this morning is, how is your prayer life? We've got to be people of the book. We've got to be people of prayer individually, corporately, because Paul finishes verse 18 by saying, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So there is a corporate nature to spiritual warfare. We're in this together. Therefore, we must pray for one another. Yes, we should pray on our own, but we've got to come together. We've got to gather for prayer. Please don't neglect the place of private or corporate prayer. So as we come to the end, my hope and prayer for us as a church is that we will live in light of our true identity that Paul spells out for us that we have looked at in the first three chapters of Ephesians. 
But you see, if we're going to live in light of our true ID, we're going to need to be strong and we're going to need to stand firm because there are challenges. We live in a hostile context and environment and there is a real enemy out there who wants to ruin us, who wants to distort and steal our identity, who wants us to walk away as opposed to walk worthily who wants us to cave in, who wants us to stand down, and who wants us to give up. And so Paul says, listen, finally, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand. And so each one of us has a choice this morning because as I said earlier, there's a conscious dimension to this. So every single one of us has a choice this morning as we close. Are we, am I, going to put on the armor of God today? Am I going to pray it on? Am I going to use these moments? Am I going to use the space? Am I going to come before God in prayer? I have to pray at all times. I have to pray hard and long and I'm here this morning and I'm before you, God, and I recognize, you know something, this is really tough living this Christian life. It is really hard to be humble and compassionate and forgiving. It is really hard to obey my parents. It is really hard not to provoke my kids, all of those things. But in the midst of this spiritual warfare that every single one of us is in, we have a choice right now at the end of this series and at the end of this morning to say, okay, God, in the space of these moments, I'm going to choose to pray. And I'm going to choose to pray on the armor of God so that I leave here this morning protected and standing firm. And so I'm going to give a few moments of quietness and of silence for you to do that. The band are going to come up because we're then going to sing that song, O Church, Arise and Put Your Armor On. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we stand against the devil's lies. And so after a period of silence and as the band come up, we're going to then sing that. And I'm going to invite you to sing it as you've never sung it before. O Church, Arise. And then we'll close in prayer. So a moment silence for you to respond at the end of this morning, at the end of this series.